Welcome to Sunflower Living, a podcast that believes that life is always worth living. I'm Abile. And I'm Linky. Welcome to our working philosophies on life and living with a mental illness. Before we get started, we are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own. Hi guys, today we have a guest with us um, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. So tell us a little about yourself. Oh, my name is Tanya. Um, I'm an educational psychologist at a private school. What can you tell us about the space you're in? Uh, yeah, well, I generally am a person who uh, tends to be a lot in my head, you know, uh, suffer from anxiety quite a bit. Um, it is generally, um, you know, under control, but obviously um, being an anxious person, uh, when you when things um, are out of your control or things happen uh, that you feel that you have no um, control over, such as the, the whole COVID situation, it does tend to, um, you know, exacerbate the symptoms of anxiety. And so, yeah, I go through stages where the anxiety is okay, and then other days it seems to be a bit more overwhelming, where you think, you know, when is this going to end? What can I do to help people that are suffering? You know, when can we return to some form of normality? Yeah, so that's where I'm at at the moment. I wanted to, because you're in you're in the the educational space. So I was wondering, you know, does or do your experiences with you know your own personal anxieties and just anxiety as a disorder, I suppose, does that help you, you know, better connect when you're trying to help you know students who may also suffer from anxiety? Yes, I definitely think it does. Um, you know, when we were training to be psychologists. Uh, there's a train of thought that says, you know, you shouldn't really bring too much of your own experiences into the psychological therapeutic situation. Uh, But I think that's kind of changing now because, you know, children want someone that's authentic and real. And um, obviously you're not going to air out all your dirty laundry in the, you know, the therapeutic space. But I think, you know, if when I, when I tell the children, for example, that, you know, it's okay to feel anxious because I myself suffer from anxiety. And and then they kind of, oh, really? You know, and they look at you kind of in a different way, almost not like you're uh, a stranger, you know, encroaching in their space, but it's almost like now someone that you, that they can identify with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely feel that it does help to kind of have gone through something similar to what they're going through and just to let them know that you know it's okay to be anxious and that you can still lead a good life and and become successful in whatever you do you know yeah uh what i I wanted to ask you um how do you identify children and teenagers who need your interventions i mean i know that uh having Start, you know, having had symptoms and not being diagnosed early enough, um, yeah. I wish someone had had kind of had kind of noticed that hey, this person needs some help, and you know, I think that it would have changed my experience um, in the school system. 
Okay, so we have a few different ways of identifying learners. Um, we have a lot of parent uh, referrals. So I'll get an email from a parent or a phone call from a parent where they've noticed, you know, some sort of change in behavior of the child. And then obviously I call the child in to speak to them. I would say that more than parental um, involvement would be the teachers. Um, we do have a lot of teachers who are very vigilant, you know, with, with the kids. And they do um, approach me and say, look, we're concerned about so-and-so because, you know, they're exhibiting, you know, A, B, and C. Uh, so it's mostly uh, teacher referrals. But what I've found over the years is that the children are also able to approach me more easily. Um, a couple of years back, I think there was more stigma about, um, you know, this person is a psychologist and, you know, only crazy people go to psychologists. In fact, some of the kids do still use those terms. So it's it's something that I've really got to um, sort out because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they do tend to use that word crazy. And uh, if they see, you know, if they see me or, or you know, who's she coming to find? Um, but I found that that has, you know, steadily declined and the kids are coming to my office um, as self-referrals uh, even boys you know like 16 17 year old boys in grade 10 and 11 uh, who never used to come in the last couple of years have actually been coming to me and saying look you know I'm, I'm not okay can can we please chat so that's been something that's you know been very um, how do I say heartwarming in a way to know that okay these kids are not too scared to come and, and speak on their own accord, you know. Yeah, that just makes me so excited because I think I remember when I was in um, in high school, it was, I think you probably had a similar experience, Links, with the, the stigma that, like, you get from other kids where it's like, oh, we, we should probably, like, push back a little bit because this person's a bit unstable, you know, they're a bit mental, so let's just, you know, shift them a bit that way so to hear that you know there are and especially with with young boys that there are people like coming to you of their own volition and being like hey i i'm not okay and i don't know how like who else to go to yes it is it's it's something um exciting because yeah you know, they're starting to to see that it's it's okay you know it's okay to not not be okay yeah um you know, you talk about teachers referring children. I wanted to know, do the teachers get any kind of training? Do they have any, you know, sensitizing to be able to say, you know, to be able to identify children and also to be able to respond appropriately to those children? Um, well, I would say other than the, you know, psychology that they studied in the teaching degree, I would say that they don't have... Uh, specific training like per se but I think it's also just in the nature of certain teachers you know um, especially the mothers and the father the father sorry and the caregivers uh, they often will find that the child is just not okay and I suppose they're bringing in their own you know experience with their children um, and a lot of them just have that empathy and that way of picking up that something's not okay um, and I think they go with more of their gut, you know, instinct. And also a lot of them do have experience with working with teenagers, you know, the ones who have been teaching for a long time. So I think they're able to pick up the signs of, of a child that's, you know, maybe depressed or anxious or having issues at home. 
Um, but as as actual training goes, I, I don't think they specifically trained, you know, um, as to how to pick up those kind of sounds. You did uh, mention um, when we spoke before this that yes. the interventions that you um, are focused on are, are, are short term. And yes. I think you said that they're solution focused. Can you tell us a little bit, bit about that? Okay, so uh, solution focused therapy is a very positive kind of therapy where you don't focus on the problems that the child is presenting or bringing into the situation. You rather focus on the assets, you know, what they do have rather than what they don't have. And um, the basic premise of so, uh, solution-focused therapy is that the child or the teenager is the expert in their own life because I mean who knows yourself better than you do um, so you as the therapist basically guide the session you know you direct the session but the child brings to you what it is they want to change and how they're going to change it and they actually do have more their disposal than then what they realize um, and it's very nice because it focuses on things such as the miracle question you know that that is the main main how can I say goal of 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 this type of therapy is like if you could wake up you know tomorrow and everything would be different you know how would you know it would be different oh, wow. and and what would make it different and that's basically what you're trying to get the child towards, you know, not like what is wrong and, and how are you going to fix it? It's rather, okay, so how would it be good? Or I want to know how are things going to be okay, not how things are not okay, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Sure. I, I like the idea of the miracle question. That's the first time I've heard that. So, yeah. wow, that's really a good concept. Um, I think that's really interesting. No, totally. I was actually about to say that when it comes to, I've had, now that, you know, I've heard Tanya say um, the miracle question, I've actually have so many of those, like miracle questions have almost informed my own or a lot of my own mental health journey. But, you know, kind of coming back to um, the, the therapeutic side of things, have you ever found that um, par parents are... Or some parents can be resistant to their child, you know, coming to see you in terms of, you know, sitting down and really discussing what their issues are. And then especially if, you know, that child's issues sometimes strongly pertain to the actions of the parent, do you find that there's, you know, a resistance on their part and almost like a, an anger that they, they exhibit towards you maybe? Um, yes, I have had that over the years. Uh, mm -hmm. Luckily, that pattern too has um is becoming more um i don't say diminishing where parents are more open to uh mm. the children re receiving therapy and you know coming to somebody where they feel safe and you know not judged uh, a lot of the parents are actually sort of more embracing you know mm. the job that that i do um there is a, sometimes a little bit of of reluctance Especially, mm. like you said, when uh, the parent's name is brought up in the, you know, in the session and the child has said that they've got a problem with, you know, the way mom or dad is behaving at home or, you know, towards them or, you know, maybe 
the parent is unemployed and is causing the child stress. Mm -hmm. And I think then that maybe there's initially a uh, reaction, you know, where the parent feels maybe that I'm, you know, poking my nose in their business or mm -hmm. something like that. But for the greater part, uh, I do have very positive responses from parents. And um, a lot of them do come and see, you know, see me. And then obviously, if I feel that they need to go to, to see somebody else, like a, a psychiatrist or someone more suited to their needs, then, mm -hmm. you know, I mention that to them. So, but yeah, for the greater part, it, it is positive response from the parents, you know. You know, I wanted to ask you just with the just with the idea of being solution focused, do you see, I mean, when you are able to follow up with students after they've left school, do you find that early intervention um, leads to kind of better, um, better management of any of their mental health um, issues or, you know, just the way that they, they interact with the world? Is it more positive when they've had, um, when they've, you know, seen you or other, um, other psychologists uh, during their high school pe period? Yes, I definitely do see that um, trend because, um, you know, I'm in touch with uh, previous students, you know, who have now matriculated and have gone on to study or they're busy working. And I think the ones that, you know, did come and really, you know, seek help and, you know, dig deep within themselves and, you know, really try to sort out the issues that they're going through rather than, you know, to run away from them. Um, I see that most of them are, you know, doing pretty well now. And when they're not okay, they'll sometimes drop me a WhatsApp or a message and just say, you know, I'm having a bad day. Or, or whatever it is, but I think they do have that level of self-awareness um, and they're more um, able to, you know, solve problems within their own lives and also to acknowledge that, you know, it's okay to be having a bad day or to be feeling anxious or overwhelmed. To be honest, I wish I'd had a Tanya when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's I very nice of you to say. Uh, I mean, it's, I just really remember some of that space and just thinking, um, you know, thinking I was alone and also trying to explain this to people who really didn't get it, uh, whether that was parents um, or teachers that I, I trusted. And, you know, it just made it so much more difficult. And I yeah. found that later on, I was like, oh, I could have done this, you know? Um, yeah. It's yeah. not as easy as that, but I mean, it just, it, it did feel like I was alone. No, totally. I mean, I think when you're in a high school setting, especially around other kids who don't really, because I think, you know, teenagers are so, not isolated, but, you know, their, their world is so small, yet it doesn't seem that way. So trying to explain mental struggles or even just anxiety, depression, I'm having a bad day. It's so difficult to communicate because you have this impression of, but I can do anything. Um, and sometimes it isn't necessary for us to have, like you said, a Tanya in our lives who can be like, you know, it, it's fine to feel this way. It's perfectly acceptable to feel this way. Yeah, I think, thanks. I think that's, yeah, it's really great because 
you know, a lot of kids actually after they've come to, you know, to the session have said, you know, oh, this is not as bad as I thought it would be or, you know, I know that you can't make all my problems go away, but I feel so much better now that I've spoken to you. And, you know, I always tell them I never want anyone to feel too scared or alone and that they don't think that they've got anybody there, you know, to listen to their problems. And just knowing that they've got, you know, me to talk to, um, yeah. even if I, like I always say to them, I wish I had a magic wand, you know, like yeah. in the fairy tales to make everything disappear. <laughs> and uh, and I, I really do. But, and I think they appreciate that, you know, I am genuine and authentic and what you see is what you get. So it really makes them then able to, to open up and be themselves, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. When do you... When do you refer um, children to either a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist? At which point do you feel that that person needs additional support? Okay, so as soon as a child um, exhibits any kind of suicidal tendencies, or even you know, even if it's just thoughts of suicide, uh, and they you know persistent thoughts, and they they're with the child often then obviously, you know, you don't take any chances there. Um, I would definitely refer them to a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist to find out if there are any, you know, problems with neurotransmitters or neurological um, imbalances which could be causing the depression. So I would definitely refer uh, when there's suicidal uh, tendencies. Um, also, any forms of psychopathology, so let's say a child is presenting with um, problems with eating disorders, um, maybe they are losing touch with reality, you know, dissociation, they maybe are hearing things or seeing things that are not there, um, you know, that kind of stuff that is out of the realm of short-term therapy, um, or, you know, if they come across as being... Um, in danger to themselves or to anybody else, you know, harming somebody uh, or major self-harm, then definitely would need to refer to a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist. And when you refer them, do you have like a group of uh, clinical psychologists and psychiatrists who who you trust or do you just, um, you know, do do you just find... um, psychologists or psychiatrists that are kind of within a hospital uh, setting or do you have like a group that you trust because I'm assuming that that child has um, developed a relationship with you and I'm and obviously will be a little anxious to meet another professional medical professional and so how does that transition happen? Uh, Yes I definitely I do have a little network built up of clinical psychologists and psychiatrists and neurologists that I would uh, prefer the children to go to. Obviously, it's the parents' rights and the children's rights for them to, you know, see anyone who they see fit. But I do recommend uh, my my own, you know, people that I've had experience with, people that I know I can trust and people who, you know, will always get back to me. They give me feedback about the child and, you know, what's going on and, you know, what kind of uh, progress they've made. So, yes, there are people that I would prefer and I generally get a good response from the parents. 
and they generally do go to you know the people that that I recommend. Last question I have is I know that your passion is also psychoeducational assessments. Can you tell us more about that? Because I think that's an area that a lot of people are not aware of. Okay, yes. Yeah, I do. Um, if I had to say, you know, which of the two major domains of my profession I prefer um, out of psychotherapy or, you know, psychoeducational assessments, I would definitely say assessments is, you know, it's it's my niche because um, you can find out a lot about a child, you know, when you do the assessments. So basically what a psychoeducational assessment is, uh, is it focuses on the child holistically. So it uh, encompasses a cognitive assessment, which is, you know, what we used to re refer to as an IQ test. Um, then it looks at scholastic functioning, which is your reading, your writing, your spelling, grammar, you know, exploration of ideas, you know, how the child can comprehend what they read, how they, how they can write essays, that kind of thing. Um, also look at a little bit of maths functioning. And then we look at social emotional functioning. And then we are able to present the child and the parent with a holistic functioning of the child, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, the areas of concern. And then we are able to help the child to perform better, you know, in all domains of life, uh, especially in school, in class, in their tests and exams, but also just with their social skills, you know, interacting with others, um, improving self-esteem, self-worth, that kind of thing. Oh, actually, yeah, I actually have no idea what that was called. <laughs> okay, yeah. So no people idea. yeah, psychoeducation also they tend to, you know, think it just focuses on I don't know one aspect such as like emotional or psychological functioning, but the assessment that that we do is very um, broad, and mm -hmm. it does pick up you know issues if there are any, or also just you know positive things about the child, the assets and things that the child doesn't know they actually had at their disposal, you know. So they're very rewarding, actually, to conduct these kind of things. I have learned so much today. So Same. much. So, so, much so, so, so much. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Is there anything else, Tanya, that you want to share with us today? Um, no, just to say thank you for what, uh, for what you and Abby are doing. I think that... It's great for us, you know, to be having something like this, a, a platform to talk about, I don't know, all sorts of, you know, things that are generally seen as taboo. And, uh, you know, that it's okay to have sort of mental mental issues. And it's, it's all right to, you know, not be okay all the time. And just to talk about it and to, you know, share our experiences and the experiences that we have with, kids in our lives I think it's it's a great thing that you're doing and I look forward to hearing what else you guys can bring forward well we well, want to thank, thank you. you we want to thank you for all the work you do in the mental health space um I think we need more Tanya's in the world like I oh, said absolutely. Absolutely. yeah yeah they are I've got a lot of, of friends and colleagues you know that I've met over the years and they are there are a lot of other tanyas so you can be thankful for that <laughs> so comforting to know for sure well 
Thank you, Tanya. And um, we hope to have you on again sometime. This has really been insightful. And so I think that it'll touch a lot of people's lives and they will learn as much as we have today. Okay, great. Thank you. Yes, look forward to hearing from you guys. And a note, we are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own.